Welcome to another edition of Talk City Greensboro, produced by GTN, featuring interviews and events happening around town. It's an easy way to stay in the know while you're on the go. Subscribe to Talk City on iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, or SoundCloud, so you can keep up with what is going on in Greensboro City government and beyond. I'm your host, Rodney Dawson. I'm solo today. No Josh, no Rosemary. But I have two wonderful guests, and we're going to have a fascinating conversation. They're going to keep me company today. And if you've heard of uh, Greensboro's Ad Hoc Committee on African American Disparity, who work and discuss and raise awareness the difference levels and unfair treatment faced by African Americans, which is a heavy subject, so oftentimes you like to create a balance and meet uh, a meet in less intense circumstances, I might say. And uh, I can imagine might be one of the reasons for the upcoming mixer you're here to talk about. With us today, representing the Ad Hoc Committee on African-American Disparity, also known as ACAD, is ACAD Committee Chair Crystal Black and Liz Lennon, who's the Boards and Admissions Coordinator for the Human Rights Department. Welcome to Talk City hey. Greensboro. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Appreciate you being here. Did you find us okay? <laughs> we found you. Yeah. All right, we're in the cut. <laughs> we are, yeah, you are. <laughs> All right, and so to, uh, to get started, I want to, Ms. Black, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself doing this work. Give us about 60 seconds for that. So um, I am uh, involved in the community in various ways. And um, in 2019, I decided that I wanted to have a conversation with leaders in Greensboro about a place and platform to where people um, of African-American descent could come and have a, a honest conversation. In other words, black folks. Okay. Can we have a space where we can come and talk and have conversations about us? And what I found was that the word diversity had been stretched so thin that it encompassed a lot of different groups of people. And so, again, traditionally and historically, uh, the conversation about the plight and, and concerns of black folks were tabled to the end. So I really wanted to have a committee, hopefully a commission, that will um, highlight specific areas of um, discussion around black people in Greensboro and how we can be better, how the city can serve them better, and uh, be able to come to a space where they can share ideas and create dialogue about um, how we move as people in the future. You know, and I'm a history guy, so I know you've delved into the rich history that black folks uh, have, That's particularly right. in Greensboro. Liz, the same question, Liz Lennon, uh, same question to you. How, what played out just right to get you where you are today in this position? Um, actually, I've been with the city for about 20 years um, and very heavy community driven. I started out, of course, with Parks and Rec. And a lot of the programming that I did was um, educational. Uh, we would have community enrichment festivals, et cetera, anything that would target the community, knowing their resources and the different things that they could do. So, of course, when this position um, came about, I was very, very happy because I was able to be more hands-on. Um, behind the scenes, everything that she just mentioned, making sure that I provide those resources for them. Um, so when they come to the table to have those discussions, especially when it comes to the advocacy piece and the education part of it, making sure that they have that platform, whether it is through a um, series, an event, um, a summit, you know, however they can get their voices heard uh, to once again share the disparities within within our community. So that is my job to make sure that that is taken to that next level and they're able to do everything that they need to do within their committee. And Ms. Black, you laid down the purpose. So I want to have to ask you that. And and Liz, you, you have several committees that you oversee. Mm -hmm. So this is just one of them. Mm -hmm. 
So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. <laughs> but what kind of work, and this to anyone, uh, what kind of work have you done in the past? Or if someone came to a meeting and they wanted to have an idea of what they would be getting themselves into, what would you tell them? So for me, my first advocacy started with children. Um, I've been in Guilford County Schools for 27 years, and so I have been in different areas, different demographics within that um, school system and, and have been able to kind of hone in on some of our community needs and concerns. Um, so there's that advocacy. My work with the city started in 2018 when we had the Greensboro tornado. Mm -hmm. And I worked with um, a couple of other partners to create the Peeler Recreation Center um, kind of relief Was area. your school affected by that? Sorry. Um, Rankin? No, was Rankin okay. was not affected by it. Um, that was Hampton and some of the, where mm -hmm. the path went. I actually wasn't even impacted by the tornado, but um, being... Um, an advocate in the community. I just got up that morning and said, wonder where I can help. Okay. And that help landed me on Phillips Avenue. And so I was involved with the tornado for, um, or the, the discussions about how to revitalize and uplift the community after that tragedy, probably for the next year, working with neighborhood and development department and just kind of getting a lot of community outreach and, and information to those that were impacted. So that was kind of my start with the city. Um, then I moved on to working kind of intimately with council member Hightower, um, just kind of talking about different areas of concern and subjects that we have in district one, which was my district at the time. And so working with my council member, we've come up with some great ideas. We have love your block, which is a, um, a community based program that is under our field ops department where they come out into the community and offer specific resources, um, it's a national program. However, mm -hmm. we've tailored it to be um, kind of here locally how we want it to be. But you have a good response when you do? It's a good response. We tailored um, Love Your Block was created for underserved communities. And so we wanted to look at District 1 and 2. And, and the start of Love Your Block was actually to offer an additional field operations help. So what we know is that a, um, a family who wants to clean out their house may not can afford to take it all the way out to the landfill. And so sometimes we don't see that that's a luxury mm. for some people. And so although I can afford to maybe rent a truck right. and put those items that I need to discard and drive them out and pay that weight fee, that it would take, some families can't. And so what we find is piles of stuff on the side of the roads because people are going to do what's naturally comes to them. So how can we serve those communities and give them an extra, an extra help? You know, so that meant bringing those field op trucks into their communities and letting them sit there on a Saturday, maybe bringing in um, the community resources from GPD or code enforcement to address some of the issues that they're having in the community and make it a little bit more intimate so that people can own their spaces and people can be involved in the ownership of their spaces. So that's the design of Love Your Block. Along with that, I've worked with Councilmember Hightower in kind of thinking through some ordinances that I think help our underserved communities. And so she has been a great guide for me as far as being able to know where to land um, in my advocacy for communities, specifically black communities. And so she is also the one that I went to for ACAD. Okay. And so for ACAD, um, 
I just asked her, you know, here's my thoughts. Can you support it? We had conversations around ACAD for about maybe a month or two before we kind of um, decided how we would like for it to sit within the city. And so uh, she brought it to city council as a proposal. Uh, I went to city council to um, ask for this committee. I was told you were a regular over there. (laughs) Ah, well, I can be a regular city council meeting, but um, I I do believe that it is important to have a voice. And I believe that sometimes in the black community, um, we feel like our voice is not welcomed. Um, I'm one who's going to come whether my voice is welcomed or not. But I do come with truth or I try to come with truth. And when I um, am needed to be corrected, I don't mind being corrected, but I do want to hold people accountable for ensuring that we all are receiving the same things in the city of Greensboro. You know, we, did you have something to add, Liz? We're, we're, these are some heavy, like I said, you're talking about gaps, disparities, and so it can be some some intense Mm -hmm. subjects. And so, but Liz, I want to ask you, what's been a, you knew you were taking on, something uh when you over started to oversee these committees but particularly this one uh and from conversations i've had with you you know i know this one's close to your heart um but if i'm coming in if i'm saying i want to be a part of that organization can i number one and what can i expect as far as time wise or any type of commitment um everything that she just said we have focus areas so when you come in it's really about what you want to advocate for What is your concern? Because that's how we are driven to the table. Concerns, you know, and those concerns being, once again, whether it is health, housing, uh, criminal justice and police accountability, those are our focus areas within ACAD, criminal justice and police accountability, Um, housing and health. Uh, what is it, workforce development, um, economic, workforce, excuse me, and economic development. Those are the things that we focus on. So it's taking those and not just looking at the disparities, but also having that conversation of how we can resolve. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to talk about it, but sometimes we can talk, 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 and there's no resolution. So we come to the table to say, hey, like she mentioned earlier with the ordinance, this is what we want to propose. This is what we want to do. And so it's it's very important to me and my job to make sure I streamline all of those things. So when a person is coming in, it is really important for me to know what is your interest, because sometimes some of the things that you want to advocate for, we may be able to, you know, address those needs within our committee and some things, you know, I can refer you to another committee because it's something that we may not be addressing at that time. But when it comes to the time frame, uh, we do meet twice, well, excuse me, once a month. Um, our public meetings is every fourth Thursday. Is it virtual or in person? Virtual. We have it virtual, um, and the link is online. Uh, we meet at every fourth Thursday of the month at 6 o'clock. And we also have a quarterly every, um, every quarter. <laughs> so we have March, I think it's June, September and December, and that is our in-person. So we do have that open for the community to come, engage with our committee members, and to kind of just get a feel of, of what we do. They're able to actually sit in on a meeting and, you know, talk through and, and really voice their opinions and um, really find out what it is that we do within our commissions. All right, I'm going to ask you a trick question. Somebody mm-hmm. tell me what ACAD stands for. That's the reason I'm asking. 
you tell me what it stands for. I, I think Liz already Yeah, Ad she, Hoc Committee on African American Disparities. All right, stop right there where it said African American. So that means you're going to have food somewhere in the mix. <laughs> yes. Well. <laughs> Am I right? That's, that's you are absolutely correct. Uh, absolutely. Okay. absolutely. It, so. would, it would not be us if we did not have food involved. Right. You could trace the history and find and that, out. That yeah. is definitely a, a historical context for that. Yeah. So, you know, you got the mixer coming up. And that's a way where people can come and kind of introduce themselves or, or find a little bit more about uh, ACAD. Uh, and it's coming up on February 22nd. Whose idea was that? And what kind of food are we, can we taste? And, uh, go ahead. Ms. So the, the idea of the mixer, which we have two mixers. We have one in February and one in June. And that is a way to bring people together. So start with that because the mixer topics may change throughout the years of the establishment of ACAD. Hopefully it will go on past me. But um, for now, uh, what we are focusing on are our African diaspora foodways. And I really think that it is important um, for us to be educated on the path of our food and how we have found what is on our plate, how it landed here. Mm-hmm. And I, we, what I find is that we tend to not talk about the connections between our soul food, what we call, that's connected with Caribbean food right. that goes back mm-hmm. to African food. And when you look at those menus and the the um, ingredients that are used and the way that things are prepared and cooked and served, you will be able to walk that all the way back to um, our African traditions. And I think in a time where we are becoming more conscious about our history and wanting to know more, that starting with food, which we know some kind of way, like you said, is always connected to us as people. Why is that? And so when we walk it back, we can see how food was the the um, activist for mm-hmm. us. It was an economic development for us. It was a savior for us when we were brought on ships to America. It was the seeds that were braided in hair. That's, those seeds were planted and those became a part of the meals that we ate. And so when you start to have the conversations about that black IP Mm-hmm. And you're wondering why you still have it on your plate, on your soul food plate. There's so much history and such a story that is rich that we should not only honor, but we should embrace. And so I think that the more that we start to talk about this food and, and the food pathways that have happened in our community, that people will start to understand more. And I think it also will introduce a new conversation that we as blacks need to have. And that's how to still have that soul food, but have it a little bit healthier. Because once we understand the pathways in which our food traveled, we can see how certain things were introduced to us that were not a part of our diet from the beginning, but were introduced to us by way of survival, by way of force. But those type of um, fatty foods, uh, pork, you know, those things that we consume now, being able to understand the story may be able to help you to understand how to maybe reevaluate how you embrace food on your table today. I was going to ask you to give me a fun fact. You, you kind of alluded to it when you talked about the Black Eyed Peas. Do you have a quick one you can give us, a fun fact, something you learned that maybe we wouldn't know? I think that a, a, a fun fact would be that, hmm, I've been in this food waste thing since November, so it's not fun and factual for me anymore. It's just facts. 
I think that it would be very important for people to know that uh, macaroni and cheese was not originated from black folks. It wasn't. There was a black chef who was trained in France. His name is James Hennings, Hemings. And um, he and he was introduced to this dish, which started out on our tables as macaroni pie. Mm-hmm. And so it was not necessarily served to us in the in the slave houses, but it was for the cook to prepare for people that visited Thomas Jefferson's right. um, okay. house. So that's where that macaroni pie came from. The ingredients, a lot of ingredients that we consider as soul food weren't available to us. Black folks weren't allowed to eat vanilla ice cream except on July 4th. That's a fact for you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the ration, rationale behind that is crazy, but uh, when we wonder why we're so partial to butter pecan ice cream, mm-hmm. it's because of that history that we walk through that that was the flavoring right. that we could find in our ice cream to use because that vanilla was so sacred in the in the master's kitchen that we did not have access to that. So that vanilla ice cream wasn't for us. Butter pecan was how we learned how to have ice cream. So there's just a lot of things, and you wonder, wonder why my daddy eats so my much butter. My mama's favorite ice cream. My mama's favorite ice cream yeah. is butter pecan, and a lot of that goes back to how our food traveled and the story of our food. Right. And I think that um, the upcoming generations would appreciate these stories so much Absolutely. more than our generations kind of learning about them now and kind of making those connections. That that's why my daddy eats butter pecan. That's why we have hot sauce on our tables. This is why we like our foods a certain way. And and start to really realize that the history is deeper than even mm-hmm. well, even the plates that we have before us. Um, it's deeper than soul food. It goes all the way back to that continent in which we started. And that's the idea that we want to share. The um, African diaspora food ways will start on an education basis. Then we're going to move to economic development. And we're going to talk about how black food was the builder of our economy in a lot of spaces. Okay. We have a lot of people that have contributed, and we have grown as people based on just selling chicken, just selling fried fish. Right. You know, just doing those things has built black economies. And then we want to move into how that impacts black farmers and how we used to have farmland and what we used to do with that farmland. What's happening now and today? How we rotated the crops. How, how yeah. we rotated crops. How can we reconnect to that? How can we not see gardening as slave work, but as work that can benefit the, the health of our tables? And so all of that has to start with that first foundation of education and walking how that, that black IP made it over here to America. Very well said and very well put together. Where, where will it occur? What building? What space? We will be at the African American Atelier at uh, in within the Culture Center downtown. Okay. So it's 200 North Davy Street, um, and it'll be next Thursday from the 22nd. five to seven, mm-hmm. so February twenty second from five to seven. Uh, we're super excited, and we have um, definitely partnered with some restaurants, local restaurants, um, which is a part of that economic part of it. Uh, we have Paradise uh, Jamaican food uh, that we are really excited. I know yeah, that everybody knows chicken. Paradise. <laughs> Paradise, who is actually a staple in the community. They mm-hmm. have been established since, what, the early 90s? Mm-hmm. And so they'll be there, um, and their food will be represented. We have My Girls Catering, 
um, which is also um, a soul food catering, Ben's Boys. Okay. Uh, they'll be actually uh, it's presenting. Point. It's my own time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we have TK Congo, excuse me, TF Congo um, cuisine, and they will uh, be presenting the African uh, dishes. So we have a little taste, um, like she said, from Africa to the Caribbean to the Americas. We have a little bit of everything. Um, so, and it will be a taste. Now, I don't want anybody to think it's going to be a full don't come plate. In. So don't, don't bring any styrofoam. And... <laughs> no, yeah, no full we, we will not no be leaving the full. Yeah, 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 no yeah, full yeah. needed. Taking plates home. Then please, it is a taste of <laughs> the diaspora. So, the, you know, we will have samples and you are able to, you know, kind of walk through. And uh, Chair Black has also provided a um, display. So all of the things that she just educated on, you'll be able to walk through and actually see that and get the story behind that as you, you know, taste some of the food that will be offered. Chair Black, did you teach your students this when you were in the, were in the classroom? Did you get an opportunity to do that? I am always teaching my students, <laughs> well, specifically black students, how to be empowered wait. and be, be uh, excited and proud about their history. So um, depending on the age level, um, kindergartners don't care much about the mm -hmm. African diaspora. <laughs> but as they grow older, I do believe that um, they need to embrace things that are historical in their backgrounds. Right. So I do do what I can All right. within well, you know, the you, realms of Guilford County Schools. I got you. Well, you know, you got some <laughs> ideas rolling in my head. And I always used to tell my students to tell people nothing just happened. You mm -hmm. know, so you can trace the history and find right. out. But That's save, right. remember to save the date. Uh, we thank you for being here, Liz Lennon, Absolutely. as well as uh, Committee Chair uh, Crystal Black. Thank you for having us. Remember to save the date. The taste of African diaspora is a mix and mingle, and you can taste different kinds of foods. You know, you're not going to get full, but you're going to taste it. <laughs> and uh, at the culinary, at African Atelier mm -hmm. at the Cultural Arts Center, 200 North Davie, that's going to be on February 22nd. You said that was Thursday, correct? Mm -hmm. So From Thursday. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you can go to the website at greensboro-nc.gov and uh, just look up human rights and you can uh, get more information on that. Absolutely. So we appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having us. No, thank, thank you, you for being here. And also I want to shout out our intern from North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride. Aggie Pride. Ahmad Kellum, he's running the camera for us. And uh, pretty soon I'm going to get him in front of this camera. Like, if well, he's an Aggie, he'll he, be he right He seems there. like a sharp young man. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Aggies do. Or did we, change, we change that model? Aggies always do. Aggies always do. That's Aww. right. All right. So stay tuned in weekly by subscribing to Talk City Greensboro on iTunes, Pandora, and Google Play. And don't forget you can download Talk City from SoundCloud. That's it for this week. And thank you for tuning in to Talk City. Be sure to watch GTN, your official source for news and information about the city of Greensboro. GTN is available on Spectrum Channel 13. AT&T, UVerse Channel 99, and Lumos 31. GTN also streams live on Roku and the city's website at greensboro-nc.gov.